Greetings and salutations, fair listeners. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Mike's Always Right. I'm your host, Mike Iman. Uh, I wanted to take a moment here today to talk about and pour into words some of the uh, ideas I have for what I want this show to be. I've never done anything like this before, but I think I can pull it off. Uh, my uh, One idea is to essentially make this an audio blog, talking about things that are on my mind, things that I'm struggling with, whatever I think is interesting. And instead of doing a video or a traditional written blog, uh, I would just talk about them here. There are just too many blogs and YouTube channels, and people don't have time to read them all or watch them all. Uh, but if you could listen to them in the car or at the gym or at work, wherever you happen to be, I feel like that's going to be way more convenient and just a better way to reach you. Uh, another approach would be to invite guests in and do interviews either in person or over the phone. My recording studio setup, if you can call it a studio, is pretty basic right now. Uh, so having guests on is a little ways off, I think. Uh, I'd be remiss here if I didn't take some time in this first episode of Mike's Always Right to tell you a little bit about myself. I was always kind of a weirdo, square peg, so to speak. And uh, I, I, when I was in first grade, I remember writing these crazy stories for class. And um, of course, when you're six and seven years old, you're supposed to write weird stuff. When you get older, people start judging that sort of thing. By the time I was in high school, I'd mostly discarded my strange writing style. The exception was in an English class where we were asked to do daily writing prompts. Uh, my friend and I both hated these assignments, so we would write bizarre stream-of-consciousness ramblings uh, just to kind of entertain ourselves. Fortunately, I saved most, if not all, of these. I'm not sure why I did. Um, I might share those with you at some point. Uh, when I got to college, that was at Fresno State here in Fresno, California. I wanted to study music. I've played guitar since I was 12 and was in the school jazz band for two years in high school. My time as a music major was short-lived. I love music, but I hated the formal study of music. Uh, I was also going through a lot of mental turmoil brought on by poor eating habits, excess caffeine, and lack of exercise. That's uh, that whole whole shebang there. I left the music department after one semester. I was undeclared for about a year. Then I took an acting class, which counted towards my GE requirements. I'd never acted before, but it quickly became obvious that I had at least some talent, so I became a theater major. I spent the next two years studying acting, dramatic literature, lighting design, and a few other related topics. I could have graduated in 2009, but my parents wanted me to have something more practical to fall back on. Uh, I'm a good writer, so I picked mass communication and journalism. I was a far better writer than many students uh, in my classes who dreamed of becoming journalists. Uh, one of my professors asked me to join a community journalism program, and that meant I would be writing stories for actual newspapers. During that period, I mostly wrote uh, for a few area uh, newspapers in the Central Valley of California. Uh, these stories were decent, except that I had zero experience writing on deadline and spent several days writing stories that should have taken a few hours to turn around. Um, when I was ready to graduate, uh, that professor helped me get an internship at the Fresno Bee. A few months later, he helped me get a full-time gig as a reporter at the Hanford Sentinel. Two year, for two years, I covered 
the uh, city government and community events in the city of Lemoore. Uh, looking back, I can say with some conviction that just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you should be doing that. Uh, one of our veteran reporters uh, left in 2012, and uh, after more than a decade covering city government in Hanford, which is the biggest city in Kings County, uh, he was going back to school to become a nurse. This should have been a red flag. Generally, when your best people are not only leaving the organization, but leaving the industry altogether, that's not a good sign. Uh, at any rate, I admired him and his work ethic, and I wanted to be just like him. So I was when I was promoted to cover city government in both Hanford and Lemoore, I was stoked. Uh, I'm saying that with an, uh, saying promoted with air quotes, actually, uh, because I was doing twice as much work for the exact same pay. Uh, even though I was doing good work, I knew I was in the wrong place, surviving numerous rounds of layoffs, some of which claimed some very good people who I considered friends. Uh, the whole thing left me feeling very confused. I didn't want to get a job at another newspaper because every newspaper in the country is struggling. Uh, but it was obvious that I couldn't stay where I was forever. In early 2016, I was reassigned to covering crime and courts. The move made no sense. I had spent all these years building relationships in city government, and I knew that... Anyway, I had my opinions on, on the matter. Uh, on the other hand, our readers loved crime stories. The shift meant way more people would be reading my work, so I kind of try to see the positive side of things. Um, it was fun talking to cops and firefighters and people at the district attorney's, district attorney's office. Uh, I got to cover a couple murder trials. All very cool, interesting stuff. But I was still very unhappy. The, the last straw came in early 2017 when I was uh, saddened to learn that we had laid off our only photographer, a man who'd been with the paper for over 30 years. Uh, those of us who worked with him for a long time were absolutely devastated. That also meant that in addition to our daily story requirements, reporters would have to shoot their own photos for every story. Once again, more work, same pay. As my 30th birthday approached in March, I began to consider the possibility of quitting to pursue my dreams of writing a novel. I'd lived very frugally during my seven-year career and saved enough money that I could survive without an income for a while. Not forever, but a while. My birthday came and went. I didn't even take my usual one-week vacation to celebrate. I was just confused, angry, depressed, not happy. On April 18th, 2017, a man named Karee Ali Muhammad shot and killed three people in a rampage in my hometown of Fresno. Reading about the victims totally broke my heart. One of the victims was described in a headline as a husband, father of little kids, and a good guy. Now, that's not a bad way to be remembered, but it made me wonder, if I die today, what would people say about me? How would I be remembered? I decided I'd rather be remembered as someone who tried to chase his dreams than someone who stayed in a job he didn't like for the sake of a paycheck and health insurance. The next day, I left my resignation on my editor's desk and I walked out. Since then, I've been learning how to write fiction, I'm building up to a novella, and with any luck, a novel. I've also learned how to do some graphic design, typography, and acquired other skills for being a self-published author. 
I've been toying around with social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. All of these platforms feel crowded and it's hard to stand out. One thing I know for sure is that I've got a much better chance of standing out and being noticed in this format than I do on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or any of those other ones. And don't even get me started on Snapchat. I don't get it. It's like I turned 30 this year and immediately became the old guy who doesn't get young people. Um, I, I don't know how many people will, will uh, have listened this far, but I do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're the people that I want to serve and inspire. All right, my little chickadoos, let's uh, change gears and talk about the, uh, the black hole known as social media. Uh, if you're a writer who wants to make money from your work, you need an audience. The, that, this is the writer's mantra. If, if I had more money, I could do more stuff. Uh, that's why you have a blog That's and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Tumblr, not to mention your YouTube channel, and maybe you've got a podcast too. You want eyeballs, earballs, fingerballs. Okay, that got weird. But uh, maybe you've wondered why, if, if you really even need to be everywhere on the interwebs. My opinion, which you should absolutely listen to because I'm the smartest man alive, Listen to me, goddammit. You don't need to be active on every social media platform on Earth. You should, however, sample the menu. Try shit out, man. Uh, figure out if what you enjoy. Also, look at what successful personalities in your field are doing. Uh, but do your own thing. Just because someone with 50,000 followers posts nothing but inspirational quotes on Instagram, that doesn't mean you should post inspirational quotes. Unless that floats your boat or hangs your coat or strokes your goat or whatever the hell you kids are into these days. Damn kids with your glow-in-the-dark stickers and your hovercraft and your flocka. Seriously, what the heck is flocka? Uh, (laughs) You want to know what pisses me off? People who leave generic comments on my posts. They leave uh, a thumbs up or a smiley face. They say things like, awesome photo or loved your content. Something I figured out, and it seems pretty obvious in hindsight... One of the best ways to connect with people is to genuinely and legitimately care. I signed up for an online Instagram workshop one time that actually gave a formula for gaining more followers. The exact formula doesn't matter because it's bullshit, but it was something like going through a profile and liking three to five posts and leaving one comment on one of those posts, and then you just repeat that on as many profiles as you can. Un believable. You can't automate caring. You can't systemize trust. What you can do is start finding people who are just like you, who post content that you actually like. Then you like it. Comment on the stuff that genuinely interests you. Don't approach it like a business transaction. Don't interact with people for the sake of getting followbacks or likes. I currently have a handful of people on Instagram um, because that happens to be one of my favorite platforms who have been following. I've been following for several, several months. They follow me too. And there's this feeling of, Hey, you're kind of sort of doing the same thing as me. Awesome. Uh, I like the con I like their content. They like mine for some reason. Uh, and that brings me to another important aspect of this, which is content. I'm realizing I've been doing that all wrong. How so? 
I've written three books, one about podcasting, one book of science fiction writing prompts, and one book is about self-discipline. Way too much of my content, especially on Twitter, oh god, I'm terrible at Twitter, took too much of my content has, has been focused on selling. Just about every article or book you read about social media talks about how important social media is for selling your shit. There's nothing social about selling. People who like and trust you as a person or as a brand will automatically want to buy from you. If you're just someone who keeps posting about buy my book, buy my course, buy my signature waffle iron, buy, 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 people tune you out. Imagine the busiest intersection in your city. Or if you live in a small town, it can be the nearest big city. If I put up a single billboard for my business or product at that intersection, everyone who drives through will see my sign. If a bunch of other people put up a billboard, drivers might only see one or two signs as they pass by. Now imagine millions of signs, one stacked on top of the other. Some of them are flashing, some have videos, some have inspirational quotes. That's what social media has become. It's millions of people trying to put a billboard in a field that's already jam-packed with billboards. People are way more likely to pay attention to their friends than they are to a random sales pitch. And just as, and I'm just as guilty as you are of trying to sell, sell, sell. It's hard being a writer. I quit my job six months ago to double down on my writing. As it stands, I make about 5 to $10 a month from my books. I make a few hundred bucks on the side selling st- old toys on eBay. So I- I'm constantly taunted by really crappy books on Amazon that, despite their crappiness, are selling like crazy. I think, why can't I do that? I, I can't help but compare myself to others. I know it's stupid. I know it's not a good use of my time or mental energy. But that's just the way it is. I recently ran some experiments with pay-per-click advertising. That's kind of a mouthful. And, and I've come to the realization that a lot of writers pay through the nose for advertising on Amazon and Google and Facebook. It's kind of like when you see someone with a flashy car. Nine times out of ten, they don't own that car, and they can't really afford the payments on their salary. Best-selling books are often just like that. If you spend enough on advertising, you will sell more copies, unless your book is a complete disaster. But let's assume that it's readable, it's, and it's all a trade-off. If you're selling a book on Kindle for $2.99, you make about $2 profit on each sale. That means if an author spends more than $2 on advertising for every sale, they're losing money. Sometimes that can be an effective strategy for boosting the bestseller ranking of your book. But for the most part, it means you're like me. You're a nobody with no audience trying to sell shit to strangers. (laughs) I tried out Amazon-sponsored product ads for one of my books last month. I spent about $5 and made about 7 Not bad, but the amount of keyword research I had to do and the constant monitoring of how my keywords were performing... It wasn't a good use of my time. Uh, This next segment is called Making Purple Cows. Uh, I've been rereading Seth Godin's now classic marketing book, Purple Cow, recently. It's one of those books that says something different depending on where you're at in your life and what kind of work you're trying to do. 
Uh, as Seth Godin talks about making something remarkable, I have to wonder if I'm approaching my writing in the best way. It's really, is it really enough to be a really good writer and storyteller? Probably not. I'm willing to bet there's thousands of writers who are better than me, better than you, who are equally unknown. My girlfriend and I went to the used bookstore a couple days ago, uh, a couple days prior to this recording, and uh, I, I decided to look at some old copies of Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine. I, I mean, I just fell in love with the old advertisements for correspondence learning programs, hypnotism devices, and other weird things you could, you could send away for. Uh, but what really jumped out at me was the two-column layout, the bright-colored covers, the inked illustrations mixed in with the stories. Uh, I didn't buy any of the ones that they had at the, at the store. They were all 5 and $6 a piece, and none of them had any stories by authors I like. Uh, I figure if I'm going to buy one of these, it might as well be something that I'll be glad I have, even if I lose an interest in all of this later. So I hopped on eBay, bought a copy of the uh, October 1953 edition with Isaac Asimov's Caves of Steel as the cover story. Uh, the magazine contains the first of three installments of the novel, which I already own the book, so I don't really care if I ever buy the other two parts. Um, bringing it back around to Purple Cow and that whole concept. Looking through those old magazines got me thinking about making books that would be cool to have, regardless of the content. A, a cover reminiscent of, of 1950s science fiction magazines, that classic two-column layout that we don't really see anymore. Novels, novellas, collections of short stories. You, you can browse your local bookstore or even on Amazon, and it's clear that the framework for what we think of as a book, it's pretty dull. Go ahead, open any novel, and it more or less resembles every other novel on your bookshelf. Chapter headings, single column text, de depending on the author, there might be some special headings mixed in with each chapter, but it's largely the same stuff over and over and over. So looking at those old books got me thinking, what if I could make something like this? What if I could take my words and put it into this, this really cool, uh, nostalgic feeling package? Um, so that's something that I'm working on in addition to my writing. Uh, this brings us to the close of the episode, uh, first episode. Uh, I hope to keep putting out new episodes on a regular basis. It's all going to depend on how well I can balance recording these shows with my regular writing schedule. Uh, anyway, until next time, thanks for listening. Remember to hit the subscribe button and leave a review in iTunes. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Iman. That's all for right now. And remember, Mike's always right.